Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If God help me tonight, I'm going to be ministering the second part of the message that we started last week on the Antichrist. In fact, we titled it, The Answer to the Antichrist is Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He is not only the answer, the Bible said that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And if the Lord help tonight, we're going to dive into this. I trust you have your Bible and you also have your journal because every student of the word of the Lord needs to journal and write down what God speaks to you when you hear a message or a teaching or preaching, whatever it is, always journal, uh, whether it's on your phone in your notes section or perhaps the journals that we make available, but make sure that you are journaling and you're getting answers to your questions. Tonight, if God help, I want to recap a few things from last week. I told you last week that I've grown up in the church all of my life. I've, I've read and I've heard about the coming of the Lord, and I told you that the end times are here. We don't have to wait for the end times. They're already here. We are living in the end times. It's not something, a far away thing. This generation, in my opinion, will see the coming of the Lord. And I believe if ever was a time for us to be serious about the work of God, the church, the kingdom of God, our salvation and the salvation of our entire family, it is right now. I've heard it preached all my life that Jesus is coming soon. And how many believe that his word says that he will return? So it's not a guess. It's not a, uh, an imaginative type of statement. It's not something that leans towards escapism. Oh, just Jesus, please come and get us. It, it's a point in time that the Bible tells us will take place. And I believe that this generation is going to see the coming of the Lord. And that's why I would say very boldly as a pastor tonight, even to the point that it might offend some, that we really need to think about the coming of Jesus when folks are out here living a double life, sleeping around, doing drugs, smoking pot, drinking alcohol. That'll be a chance for someone to get offended. Being disobedient to their parents, causing trouble in churches, lying and cheating, perversion, whoremongering, come on, committing adultery, looking at pornography, manipulating their people around them. This is not the time to be goofy. This is not the time to be Looney Tunes. This is not the time to be Goof Troop. This is not the time to be Hanna-Barbera. This is not the time to be cootie-finding. This is not the time to be hopscotching or freeze-tagging. Come on, somebody. Tell somebody next to you that, that the days of games are over. Jesus is soon to return. And we're going to talk about it because too much is at stake for us not to talk about the coming of the Lord and to warn the people. Now, I will share with you as we are concerning the Antichrist and we're talking about eschatology or the study of the end times, that in the Old Testament, the Antichrist has 33 titles. In the New Testament, the Antichrist has 13 titles. Every one of his names shows a different aspect of his nature. Keep in mind that the Antichrist will be the most evil man in human history. When the Antichrist comes on the scene and is revealed and has time to come to power, he will be the most evil man that we have ever witnessed in history. The Antichrist will come on the scene and he will be possessed by Lucifer himself. And there is a reference to that in Revelation chapter 13 because it concerns one of his names where he is called the dragon. In fact, we see the Trinity, the unholy Trinity 
of the enemy. First of all, we understand the dragon is Satan and the first beast is the Antichrist and the second beast is the false prophet. Thus, the number 666 is an unholy trinity. 777 is God's number. Can I get a witness? 666 is man exalting himself as God in the form of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Now, can we teach a little tonight? There are two references in the Old Testament concerning the fall of Satan. In Isaiah chapter 14, jot that off to the side. And in Ezekiel chapter 28, both of those passages, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, talk about Lucifer and how he is going to fall. And it says that one day after he's judged, many will look down at Satan and as if they will say, you mean this is the one that caused so much trouble? The reason they will look down at him is because by that time, he will be cursed and he will be condemned. And they will look at the devil and say, you mean he was the one? He'll be decimated and he will be a laughing stock because he is going to be defeated. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, the Antichrist has all these titles in the Old Testament and all of these titles in the New Testament. He's known, I shared with you a few of those last week, that he's known as the beast. He's known as the lawless one. He's known as the son of hell. And we could go on and on about the different names that the Antichrist has entitled 33 in the Old Testament and 13 in the New Testament. But I want to answer some questions and talk about the Antichrist as we dig deeper tonight. Are you ready to go deeper? We laid a foundation last week. If you missed that, go back on our YouTube channel and you can watch that entirety. But here's my question tonight. Where will the Antichrist come from? Where will he come from? We learn in scripture and in history, he will come from the region of the old Roman Empire. Now the Bible says in Daniel chapter nine where the angel Gabriel in Daniel chapter nine comes and has a conversation with Daniel and he talks to Daniel who writes the book of Daniel and tells us what is to come. And in chapter nine of the book of Daniel, the angel Gabriel has a conversation with him that talks about where and who the Antichrist will be. Now, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, if you have your Bible there, the Bible says, and after the 62 weeks, now I want you to just jot off to the side because when he's talking about this time frame, it really totals 483 years because when he uses this reference, he's talking about weeks of years. And so Gabriel says unto Daniel, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come, notice that that is, that prince he's referring to is the Antichrist. And the people of the prince who is to come, here's what they shall do. They shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Then the end of it shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, it, I, this is a deep subject, and you got to hang on every word, and you got to dot every I, cross every T, so you don't miss anything that we're going to unpack tonight. All of the, what I just said out of Daniel chapter 9 is historically correct. 
because from the time there was a decree to rebuild Jerusalem till the time that Jesus was crucified was exactly 483 years. And this is the same number that the angel Gabriel gives to Daniel concerning what is to come. Then the Bible said that the people of the prince shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, we jump into the New Testament to Luke chapter 21, and this is where we see the reference. But Jesus says in this passage, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that the desolation is near. Turn on your news channel and you will see to the north of Jerusalem right now that the enemies of Jerusalem, the people of God, the Jewish people, are being surrounded by enemies. He said, know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, let me say this, that 40 years before the desecration of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus had already prophesied it 600 years before Daniel prophesied it. Now, hold on with me that the city of God and the sanctuary would be destroyed by the Romans. Notice again in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26. Then the people of the prince shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the Romans came, and all of this has already happened. The Romans came and one million Jews were killed. When they killed the Jews. After that, they destroyed the city. They took the remaining Jews captive. We're reading out of Luke here. They took the remaining Jews captive. Already happened. Scattered them all around the world. The Jewish people have been scattered all around the world, and they tried to eliminate Christianity, to blot out Jesus. Come on, somebody. And before we go further, I want you to remember that Israel, in the time when Jesus lived, was already under Roman occupation. In fact, there's a map that I want to show you because it shows you the part of the Roman Empire. Notice that right in the middle of this map is a body of water called the Mediterranean Sea. Europe is above this. And during the days of Jesus, when he was on the earth manifested as a son of God and the son of man in the flesh, the Roman Empire included Turkey, Lebanon, Syria, parts of Iraq, Israel, Egypt, and all, almost all of Northern Africa was under the Roman Empire when Jesus was alive on this earth. So Luke's gospel tells us what came to pass and how the people were scattered and a million Jews were killed and they tried to blot out Christianity. So when Daniel says in Daniel 9 that the people of the prince shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, that's Old Testament prophecy pointing into what happened, he is giving us a geographical location of where the Antichrist will come from. Hear me. Another interesting fact is that the Antichrist three times is referred to and called the Assyrian. Three times in the Old Testament, 
He is referred to as the Assyrian. Let me give you a Bible. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. He's referring to the Antichrist. He shall strike you with a rod and lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt. In other words, he pulls out an Old Testament story and references the Antichrist will do the same thing that Pharaoh attempted to do to the Jewish people. He will raise up a rod and strike. For yet a little, verse 25, for yet a very little while, and the indignation will cease as will my anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a scourge for him like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. As his rod was on the sea, so will he lift it up in the manner of Egypt. Now I want you to catch this because there will be a miraculous deliverance similar to the Jews who fled Egypt. A miraculous deliverance similar to how the Jews came to that Red Sea and Moses was able to lead the people across. There will be a space for miraculous deliverance. Hold on now. And now I want to give you another map. Now this is a map of the Assyrian Empire. I showed you the Roman Empire in its heyday. And this is a map of the Assyrian Empire in the 7th century. It covered Israel, part of Egypt. It covered Turkey, Lebanon, and a lot of the same area that the Roman Empire already covered. And I'm pointing this out tonight because there is a strong possibility that the Antichrist will be Muslim based on many who study the end times and project that this will be the case. He will be an Assyrian. He will come out of that part of the country under Assyrian and Roman coverage historically, and he will be a Muslim. Now hear me, we know for sure that the Antichrist will come out of that region of the old Roman Empire according to the word of God. So what does, where does he come from? From the Middle East. And believed to be strongly by those who study eschatology that he will be a Muslim. Now hear me. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. He will confirm a covenant with Israel for seven years. Now, the Bible teaches us that when he comes and he's revealed, he will confirm this covenant with Israel, who, by the way, has been wanting peace, looking for peace, grasping for peace, and they're tired of not having peace. And sometimes when you get weary, you will just latch on to the first offer that's made to you. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And before we go further, when you see the reference of for a week in scripture like this, it means a week of years. So when Gabriel comes and gives this word to Daniel, he says 70 weeks has been determined for your people. 69 of those weeks have already literally been fulfilled, totaling 483 years. Catch this. Seven years are left, and that begins when the Antichrist will begin to rise and be known. He will be revealed but he won't come into full power until three and a half years of that seven are, are, are past. Hear me. Some people believe, and I kind of believe this based on everything that I'm studying with eschatology, that the battle that is called the Gog and Magog War, that the battle or the, 
the Gog and Magog war, which by the way, in my opinion, is happening right now. We are seeing it happen in the world at this moment because Iran, Russia, Turkey, Syria, and China, and all of these nations are right now, turn your news on, right now are amassing on the northern border of Israel. And the reason they are doing it is because Afghanistan was a big part of letting them in and letting them build and amass together on the northern part of Israel. Hear me. Do you know that Israel right now is practicing bombing on Iran to try to stop their nuclear ambitions against them? And because Iran is trying to build a military base on the northern border of Israel, can I tell you tonight, based on everything that this Bible says, oh, I got so much more to give you, but based on everything this Bible says, everything you can now back up and verify on the news channels, things are heating up. We are getting close to the coming of Jesus. The coming of the Lord, I used to hear him say, it's nigh at the door. I'm telling you, things are heating up. You and I are witnessing prophecy being fulfilled that is going to lead to the return of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's what I'm focusing on. That's a global picture of what is happening in the end times, that Jesus is soon to return. All the signs point to this is the end of the end and the last of the last we are headed into this last uh, this last stretch of fulfillment of the prophecy and yet can I tell you that instead of focusing on that uh, instead of staying in our Bible and being concerned about what is to come for our families and our children and our neighbors that right now in the United States we're fighting over COVID we're fighting over vaccines we're fighting over masks. We're fighting over race theories. We're fighting over boys playing girl sports and violence in Chicago and violence in Indianapolis. And who are we going to blame for all of it? Folks are TikTok and nastiness, filth and lewdness, adultery and fornication and perversion and politics and race baiting and anything that has a name. Do we not realize that something bigger is happening when the enemy is trying to distract you and I. Is the enemy trying to keep us distracted from what is really about to happen biblically? Oh, you better believe it. I just told you that I believe We are in the process of the war of Gog and Magog right now. And a lot of people believe that on the heels of this war, the Antichrist will be revealed and the rapture of the church will take place. The Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is removed. Now remember, the Bible teaches us that the Antichrist, I'm giving you a lot tonight. He is the rider on the white horse in Revelation chapter six. Revelation six and two says, and I looked and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow. Now notice there's a bow mentioned, but there are no arrows mentioned. He had a bow and a crown was given unto him And he went out conquering and to conquer. The Antichrist will ride on that white horse with a bow. And that bow will be a symbol that he will extract peace from the earth. So we know this is the Antichrist. Remember, the Bible said he will make a covenant with Israel. Now we move forward. Write this down. In the middle of the seven-year covenant, he will kill the two witnesses. 
Now, I don't have time. <laughs> I wish I did, but I don't have time in this message to unpack the two witnesses that will be revealed. But we know that in that seven-year time of tribulation, that the first three and a half years of the tribulations, which is, rever is uh, referenced in Revelation chapter 11, you can write it down, that the first three and a half years is the ministry of the two witnesses. And we believe that the two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah because neither of them in scripture ever tasted death. They never died. And it is prophesied that those that did not taste death would come back after the church is raptured and the first three and a half years of the tribulation, Enoch and Elijah will preach globally with the use of via satellite. It's in the scripture. Remember what we said he would do in Daniel chapter nine and verse 27. He will break covenant and he will cease, he will bring a ceasing to sacrificing and offering. Right now, Jewish people still bring their sacrifice and have the priest sacrifice for their sin. They, her eyes are blinded of who the Messiah really is. And he will make a covenant and they will be happy to receive the covenant because they are desperate for peace. He will break covenant because he is a liar, the father of lies. Anything that it comes out, if his, if his lips are moving, he's lying. He will bring an end to the sacrifice and offering and the Antichrist will kill them and he will kill the two witnesses and he will leave them dead in the street. He will stop the Jews from offering sacrifices and offerings in the rebuilt temple and he will enter the temple and there he will blaspheme God and he will proclaim that he is God which is what we know to be as the abomination of desolation. He will, uh, he will bring an abomination, but present a statue of himself in the temple of the rebuilt temple of God. Daniel 9, 27 continues. And on the wing of abominations, in other words, that when that abomination happens, swiftly shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So there will be a abomination where the Antichrist sets himself up and he will be bring death and he will break covenant and he will kill the two witnesses and there will be a lot of people who are swayed by his power. In Revelation chapter 11 gives us more description, verse seven. When they finish their testimony, talking here, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. This is what we told you, that Satan is the dragon, the Antichrist is the first beast, and the, the false prophet is the second beast. The, and their dead bodies, notice here, will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. When you read that in the King James and you reference this, all the world will see them. How could that be at the time of this writing? There was no technological way for that to happen. But right now on planet Earth, it can happen. It can be beamed around the world. The entire world will see these two witnesses murdered and left for dead in the street. So the two witnesses, Enoch and Elijah, will minister for three and a half years. He kills them. And then the Antichrist steps up and he ministers for three and a half years. Now, this is where we move from tribulation to great tribulation. Now, go with me to Revelation 13 and five. And the Bible says, and he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Do you catch that? Three and a half years. The entire world will see the two witnesses lying in the street. When this was written, it was impossible 
Today, it is not. So when the two witnesses preach for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, hear me, the reason they're preaching is because there will be a great measure of grace that will be given to people who will come to Christ during the tribulation. And they will call on Jesus and they will receive salvation and so many people will be saved in that first three and a half years of the tribulation but notice this is not the church these are the people who get saved after the church has already been lifted out of here and they get saved in the tribulation who are they people who are right now who who are alive i believe right now but they've never made a decision to follow jesus they've heard the gospel preach but they've not called on Jesus they have lived their own life there are people who give their life during that time who were backsliders who were raised in the church who had heard people preach the gospel had sat through altar calls time and time again people who heard the message of Jesus preach but they were too full of their flesh to follow Jesus hear me people will connect the dots when the church is lifted and they'll look around and wonder where are the people of God and they'll learn and realize uh, uh, that this uh, is just what the Bible said and they will turn to Jesus and cry out to him for mercy. Great grace will be extended in the tribulation and those who turn to Jesus will eventually be killed by the Antichrist. Hear me. So that's why we've said often if you can't live for God now What are you going to do during the tribulation? If you can't live for God now. Write this down. The Antichrist, this is another sign of who he is. Doesn't desire women. Daniel 11 verse 37. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, For he shall exalt himself above them all. This is another indicator. Somebody say, wow. Wow. It's interesting that Daniel records this. So we have to ask ourselves, is he gay? Is he transgender? Is he hybrid? Is he a mix between a machine and a human? Because if you haven't watched the news, if you've not studied and you don't realize what's happening in America, that America and the other great countries of this world are in a race to see who can sync humans and technology together and sync downloads into people's minds. They are in a race in the world right now to produce the first hybrid soldiers. It leaves you to think, what will he be? It could be one way or the other, but the Bible said that he will have no desire for women. That ought to make somebody understand the time we're living in. Write this down. The Antichrist worships power rather than a specific deity. He will worship power rather than a deity. And we read this out of Daniel chapter 11 and verse 38. But in their place, he shall honor a God of fortresses and a God which his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. When you read that term, God of fortresses, it means he will worship power itself. In essence, he will worship himself because he will be powerful. In Daniel chapter 8, I know I'm giving you a lot. Notice this in verse 23, that in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty. But not by his own power, he shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. And I'm saying this because I want you to get a picture that the last 
three and a half years will be his time. The first three and a half years, the two witnesses will preach the gospel. People will be saved. They will be murdered in the street. At that three and a half year mark, when he comes into full power, he will walk in. He will set up a statue of himself in the temple of God. And thus the abomination will take place. He will be given power. He will have great power. And the last three and a half years of the tribulation will be a bloodbath. It will be unlike anything the history of this world has ever known. And all of this will be demonstrated by the Antichrist. This is why we can understand Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 through 16. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. He said, when you, if you are alive during tribulation, if you, if you did not make the rapture of the church and you are in the tribulation, he said, when you see this happen, flee for your life. During the tribulation, the anger and the wrath of God will be poured out like never before. The last three and a half years of the tribulation will absolutely be the worst. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit will still be here getting people saved, but he won't be restraining like he does now through the church. Can I tell you all of you that want to follow Jesus you got to follow him now live for him now trust in him now why great grace is abounding and the Holy Ghost is wooing and convicting and drawing us listen you if, when you, if you are in that time when these things are happening you will notice every detail now I got to hurry I got to hurry Revelation 6 tells us of the seal judgments that start all of this that I've mentioned into motion. The first seal, the conqueror, rider of the white horse. We know who that is. When the second seal is released, there will be conflict on the earth, no peace. This will be the rider of the red horse. When the third seal is opened, there will be scarcity on earth. Wages decrease, people will be starving, find, trying to, to make ends meet, rider of the black horse. When the fourth seal is opened, a fourth of mankind on the earth will be killed. This is the rider of the pale horse. The fifth seal will be opened. It will be the cry of the martyrs, those who had to be executed for Jesus during tribulation who refused to take the mark of the beast. I'll get to that in a minute. Altars under the altar, they'll cry out the souls asking how long, how long, how long. Then there will be the breaking of the sixth seal where there would be cosmic disturbances. The sun will become black. The moon will turn to red. Stars will literally fall from the heavens and hit the earth. All of these things, and I, I just don't have time for the sake of time. I got a fast track. I'd like to give you the seventh seal, but you've got to get into this word and, and begin to read all these chapters because when you get to the seventh seal, it spans several chapters. But for the sake of time, let me have you write this down, that the Antichrist recovers from a deadly wound to his head and he will live. During all of these three and a half years of which he comes to power, he sets up a statue of himself in Jerusalem, the holy city of God, right now, preparation. At some point, and this will take place in the middle of the tribulation, the world, those who do not come to Jesus, when they see him recover from the deadly wound, they will flock after him and they will follow him for they think he is a deity on two feet. The Bible tells us. Remember, 
I have to recap this. The first three and a half years is the ministry of the two witnesses. The last three and a half years is the ministry of the Antichrist. The second three and a half years, he kills the two witnesses. The Antichrist comes to full power and deceives the Jewish people. Now, go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. It tells of the event where the Antichrist is healed. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, Satan, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So where did he get his power? From Satan. Satan will possess him. He will give him power. He will give him a throne. He will give him authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. The people of the earth who have not accepted Jesus, who are in desperation, will follow the Antichrist and believe him to be a God. I want to make this clear. Just because a person has power, it does not mean that they are of God. Write this down. The Antichrist will be given authority over believers during the tribulation to persecute and to kill them. Now remember, the believers mentioned in Revelation 13 is not the church. Not the church. It's those who got saved during the tribulation. Now, Revelation 13 and 7. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now listen to me again. The saints listed in this verse is not just the Jews, but look at Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation 20 and verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, Underline that, who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. They were beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God. Who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived. (laughs) And they lived and reign with Christ for a thousand years. You and I know that to be eventually the millennial reign when they will reign. These are Christians. And the Bible says they are beheaded, which by the way, is the signature execution of radical Muslims. They walk And you can see it even in the United States. You can see it in various countries where they have walked down the road and cut people's heads off. It is the the signature execution of radical Muslims. I'm not saying all Muslims, but I am saying radical Muslims because according to the Bible, if you don't take the mark of the beast and you don't worship the Antichrist, they will cut your head off. You will die a martyr's death to see Christ. At this point, when that happens, there will be a bloodbath that'll come upon the world and believers will be killed in mass numbers. This is what's happening and preparing to be happening in our world. Let me give you another indication that the Antichrist will control all the finances of the world. We see right now the socialism that is being shoved down our throats and propagated socialism is happening right now. Do you know what it is setting us up for? It is setting us up for one world government. 
It is setting us up for globalism. We see it when the borders are open. It's globalism. It's setting us up for one world order and setting us up for one world currency and those in authority. Here's why. Because those in authority are trying to absolve individual identity and the sovereignty of a nation and move us into globalism where we will come under the thumb of the Antichrist when he comes to power. Are you hearing me? All of this is prophesied in the Bible. Revelation 13, 16 through 7. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one will be able to buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the numbers of his name, 666. The Antichrist will be a financial dictator. His power will be financial. He will have military power. He will have political power. But the most power he has will come from financial power. And maybe we'll wrap up, uh, uh, wrap that up next week. And maybe we'll dive in a little bit more here. But I also want to give, before I close, let me, let me just give you something else to write down. He is defeated by Jesus at the second coming and he is thrown alive into the lake of fire. Somebody ought to praise the Lord because we've talked about what is coming and we've talked about we are right now in the precursor. The spirit of Antichrist comes before the Antichrist comes. We are in the precursor right now of when the enemy is waging war trying to defeat the seed of God and trying to defeat the sovereignty of God and the sovereignty of his people and ball us up into one person who is nothing but a pronoun. But I come to tell you, Jesus said they shall be male and they shall be female. There is no they. There is no them. There is no pronoun. He said I called them. I created them after my likeness and in my image. And if you're having trouble knowing who you are, stand naked in front of a mirror and you'll know who you are. Somebody ought to give God praise right there. I don't care what they say in schools. I don't care what they're trying to shove down our throat. The devil is a liar and his time is coming to an end and one day he will be thrown alive into the lake of fire. Y'all praise God right there and give God some praise. Let me, let me give you a few more verses. <laughs> Revelation 19. I'm about to wrap it up right here. Revelation 19, verse 19. Look at this. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their army. Now here they're describing the end when the battle of Armageddon will take place. When all of this has been happening. Gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. They will meet first to fight each other. But Jesus will open the sky and come riding on a white horse. And the Bible said, you and I, the rapture church, will ride with him. Well, we coming back. We gonna ride a stallion. And when they see Jesus, the armies of the world in the battle of Armageddon, they'll turn against from one another and turn their attention to try to fight Jesus. And then the Bible says this, then the beast was captured, hallelujah, and with him, the false prophet. Now I gotta stop right here. I mean, I'm gonna give you an explanation. The false prophet to the, to the antichrist is like a sorcerer. You know how you have King Arthur and Merlin? So you have a sorcerer, a magician, an, uh, the evilness of this world. See, the devil does have power. 
and magic and all of this stuff, you better know what your children are watching. What they're already desensitized to and be willing to accept. <laughs> oh, make every parent nervous. You ought to be. You ought to be concerned. And he will take the beast and the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. So the people who received the mark, who followed and flocked after him, who took the mark and who also worshiped him, the beast and the false prophet, these two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. They were cast alive. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds fed on their carcasses in the valley. That's the battle of Armageddon. Now, I wish I had time. Go to 2 Thessalonians 2 and 8. Another description. And then the lawless one. Who is that? The Antichrist. Will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. When Jesus opens the sky and brings his bride with him, riding on horses, he will destroy with the breath of his mouth. The word consumes the anti-word. Hallelujah. He's cast alive into the lake of fire. Now, some see, well, where is the lake of fire? That's another message. But could it be above us? Could it be the sun, which is a lake of fire? Could it be, it'd be very easy. Could it be? But I want you to notice that it says those that receive the mark of the beast and who worship his image. Notice, hear me church, the pressure that is being put upon us right now is part of the antichrist spirit that is at work right now. Pressuring us to bow our knee to Hollywood, to bow our knee to politics, pressuring us to conform, pressuring us to give up our freedoms, pressuring us to be a politically correct church. Christians right now are being pressured and persecuted right now for their faith. That's why your employers are trying to be politically correct to make sure that we accommodate transgenders and the Muslims who, if they want time off from work to pray, are granted time off work to pray, but you try that as a Christian and tell them you can't work on Sunday because that it, they will tell you that it does not apply to Christian. This is the world we are in. Wake up. This is the world we are in right now. And the Christians are already being persecuted. All of this is a precursor for what is coming. And if you don't see it, then just continue. Ignore what's happening. Continue to swallow what the media is telling you. Continue to believe everything that social media tells you. Continue to post pictures of your cleavage, your butt, and your tats. Continue to shake your moneymaker. Continue to brag about yourself with selfies galore. Continue to post political rhetoric. Continue to cause trouble in churches, everyone you go to. Continue to buck up against authority. Continue to be disobedient to the word of God. Continue just to live your best life. And ignore everything that I've said with you tonight. Hear me, church. You cannot live with your head in the sand when the word of God is trying to prepare us for what is soon to come. And this is it. 
we are at the end. Why would we continue on business as usual? Forsaking God's word as truth, forsaking a biblical covering, jumping from boat to boat, resisting conviction, resisting accountability, preferring to live in a pressure-free environment so that we can continue our casual Christianity. During the tribulation, if you don't receive the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell. Maybe we'll get to that. But this is where the world is heading right now. And we are being prepped for it right now. And I'm telling you, those who take the mark of the beast, according to Revelation 14, you will be eternally damned because you chose to worship the Antichrist and you took his mark. It will not, it will not be revealed till the Antichrist comes to full power, which is at three and a half years into the tribulation. But I'm telling you, the technology for the mark of the beast is already here today. So I say to you tonight, Christian, stand strong. Jesus is the answer. Would you stand? This is what the Bible said would happen. That the spirit of the Antichrist would precede the revealing of the Antichrist. His spirit is already here. I told you last week, I believe he's already alive on planet Earth. I believe he's already waiting in the wings to come to power. He's being groomed for power. The sound of evil in this world is getting louder and louder and louder and louder. All of that tells me, Brother Delane, that the church is soon to be raptured. We are soon to be caught up out of here. This is not the time to get goofy. They are amassing at the northern border of Israel right now. I don't even know. I don't even know the time frame, but I would say to every one of us, live like he's coming today. Put your sins of the blood of Jesus. He will forgive you. Great grace. Great grace. This is the dispensation of grace. They that call on the name of the Lord, the Bible said they shall be saved. And I want to ask you tonight to bow your head. And I want you to search your own heart. Don't worry about who's around you, your spouse, your friends, your family. But your own heart. Ask God to do a work in it. Ask the Lord to keep you ever reminded of his return. May I live like you could come tonight before I lay my head on this pillow tonight, God, you could take your church home, ushering in the tribulation. Oh, I want my family to make it. Oh, oh, I want my family to make it in. One of my friends who I was raised in church with a few days ago, they found him dead with a heart attack. He was about to turn 50. He was my childhood church friend. We went to church all of our life together. His mom attended my daddy's church for over 35 years. The whole family's been acquainted. I FaceTimed him last year. I got to talk to him when my, he was helping my dad work on a project. He was homeless. They found him. I don't know if his testimony, I don't know. I know he knew to call on Jesus. I just don't know the circumstances surrounding your eyes closed for just a moment I told the team in prayer before service that there are two ways that I can preach a funeral it's so much easier when I can preach someone's funeral who I know had a testimony that they lived for Jesus and the fruit of their life it was evident so easy to preach a funeral like that to talk about 
They're, they preach their own funeral. You just have to encourage folks because they're living already preached their funeral. But then there is another way that I have to preach sometimes when there's an uncertainty, when there's no evidence of a person who lived for Jesus or walked before him or received him as Lord and Savior. And the only thing I can preach in that funeral is grace and mercy. And say the Lord said in his word he would have mercy upon whom he would have mercy. And to give an altar call and to preach Jesus Christ. Because I can't preach someone into heaven if I don't know that they went there. And you say, well, pastor, do you know? No, I don't know. I don't know. God is the judge, not me. But it makes it so much easier when someone lifestyle evidences the fruit of the gospel. I don't know if my friend made it to heaven. I hope and pray he did. I hope I see him again. But the Bible said to be absent from this body is to be present from, with the Lord. One way or another, we will stand before God, whether at the judgment seat of Christ, where believers will gather together and we'll be given rewards based on our faithfulness. The Bema seat is what it's referred to. And, but there's another judgment at the end of the age called the great white throne judgment. Those that did not make it to heaven will be pulled out of hell and stand before God and be judged. And the Bible said those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire where the worm dieth not. I want us to make sure that we're ready. I want you to make sure you do everything you can to get your family saved. You say, well, Pastor, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them upset at me. Are you serious? What's the option? What's the option? I want all my family. I want all my family to make it in. Search me, oh God, like David said, Lord, search me, try me, know my thoughts. And I ask you to do a work in my life. The altars are open to anybody that wants to pray. But I just want to encourage anybody to find you a place to pray. Find you a place to talk to God. Holy Ghost, speak to us tonight. Make us ready for your coming. Make us ready for your coming. feel ready to do it. I know we're praying right now, but when you feel ready to do it, I'd like to ask all the men of the church to come on one side of this altar and all the ladies of the church to come on the other side. And I'd like to have group prayer. I'd like us to, to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and 
proclaim our families and pray for one another. Hallelujah. There's a lot. There's a lot to be weighed in the balance here tonight. Hallelujah. Father, you know every need. You know every need. God, that the men would rise up and be strong together and hold each other accountable to help each other along life's way. Oh, God, thank you, Lord, for praying people. Thank you, Lord, for Holy Ghost-filled people who know the value of the Holy Ghost, the power of the authority of God. Oh, hallelujah. All the women that feel want to come and just bind together in prayer and take up the altar, a whole altar, and the men folk do the same. And I just want you to just maybe pray for one another, join hands, or if you don't feel comfortable doing that, just put your arm on somebody. I believe the Holy Ghost is with us. And there's an unction. There's an unction to pray, to cry out to God. Lord, make us ready. Make the church ready, Lord. Make the church ready, Lord. Make the church ready. Hallelujah. Gather in. Gather in together. Hallelujah. Find your way in to pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 